Welcome to the Woven Well podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Estes. I'm a certified fertility care practitioner with a master divinity degree. Each episode will cover a topic that helps educate and empower you on your fertility while honoring the deep connection your fertility has with your faith. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Woven Well podcast. Today we're talking about miscarriage, which is not a fun topic. And I think because of that, that's why a lot of times it's not ever talked about. And I think that that's even more difficult for many couples because the hard reality is that as many as one in four pregnancies are going to end in miscarriage. So even though it's really difficult, it's also really important to talk about it, to bring awareness, to provide education, and to acknowledge the pain that possibly 25% of couples experience at some point. And no one ever wants to think that miscarriage is going to happen to them. When you get that hoped-for positive pregnancy test, your mind goes to due dates and gender reveals and tiny little clothes, as it should. But we know that our fertility journeys, as we so often talk about here, aren't always what we envision for ourselves, whether that's in timeline or in pregnancy complications. A miscarriage is when a baby still in utero passes before the 20th week of pregnancy from natural causes. The definition alone gives a hint at how vastly different the experiences can be. A loss at five weeks will be physically very different than a loss at 19, but in each scenario, the loss and the pain are real and valid. And yet, like I said, people don't often talk about it for a variety of reasons, and that's okay. It's up to each couple whether they feel comfortable sharing and who they share with and what they choose to share. But what I hate to see is a couple suffering alone because they feel ashamed or that there's no safe place to share their loss and suffering. Like with so many things in the world of fertility, talking about it really does matter. Plus, like with many other areas in the world of fertility, it's, if it's not talked about, it can feel really mysterious and really scary. What happens? How do you know if you're having a miscarriage? What causes it? There is some mystery involved, of course. We may not always be able to know exactly why it happens, but when we can identify a cause, it helps us to address it for any possible future pregnancies. So let's start there with the most common causes of miscarriage. The information I'm sharing today can of course be found on your own. You can look for this online and through lots of different resources. And I am particularly utilizing work from Dr. Dr. Alan Beer, who specializes in one of these causes that I'm about to mention. So he says there are six major categories for the medical reasons miscarriages occur. Chromosomal abnormalities, abnormal maternal anatomy, hormonal imbalances, infection and illness, environmental factors, and immune system problems. So I'll just break down each one really quickly. Chromosomal abnormalities can cause the DNA to not match up right, not grow correctly, or not be able to continue to mature in a way that's compatible with life. With a few exceptions, these losses often occur before 10 weeks of gestation. And for many pregnancies that end extremely early, it's believed to be because the abnormalities prevented the embryo from developing beyond even that initial stage. 
Abnormal maternal anatomy refers to issues with the reproductive organs of the mother that may hinder the ability to carry a pregnancy. Common ones deal with variations in the shape of the uterus, like having a septet, which reduces blood flow to the baby, or being bicoordinate, or extremely small. All of these uterine conditions restrict the ability of the baby to grow. The presence of large uterine fibroids could also prevent implantation of an embryo or cause an issue with the sustaining of a pregnancy. And then there could be issues with the cervix itself, especially if it's unable to hold up against the pressure of a growing baby throughout pregnancy. Hormonal imbalances may seem like a really vague statement, but it's intentionally meant to cover a broad range of possibilities because hormones are pretty critical to the success of a pregnancy. Estrogen and progesterone do not go away during a pregnancy. They actually greatly increase. And if you've been listening to the podcast, then you may already know that progesterone plays an important role in preparing the uterine lining for implantation with the nutrition a budding pregnancy would need. Progesterone remains important, as does estrogen. Now, other hormones, like those involved in the thyroid, are also critical to pregnancy success. Some women who have never had thyroid issues in their lives experience extreme thyroid fluctuations or even gain specific thyroid conditions like Hashimoto's disease that can cause miscarriage. Infection and illness can refer to conditions like Epstein-Barr, STIs like chlamydia, gonorrhea, or syphilis, which are all well known to cause miscarriage. Toxoplasma gondii, which you may have heard of if you have cats, as it can be passed through the air of in- or through ingestion when cleaning a cat's litter box. And then uncontrollable diabetes or thyroid disease. There are also bacterias that can cause miscarriage if left untreated. Environmental factors that can contribute to miscarriage risk are use of drugs, including tobacco, alcohol, and certain strong pesticides and chemicals. Now, these aren't the ones that we find in common like household products as much as they are commercial-grade items or excessive levels of common pesticides. Finally, there are immune system issues. One common one is blood clotting disorders. You may have had these your whole life, but they never caused a problem because the clots they created aren't large enough to be an issue for adult-sized blood vessels. Tiny budding embryos are a different story, though. Or your body could have an oversized immunological reaction to the DNA of the baby. Our bodies are trained to fight off invaders to the body, and while most immune systems recognize an embryo as an allowable exception, not all do. You may also have a very aggressive immune system that attacks first and asks questions later, constantly fighting against the pregnancy, trying to establish itself and continue to grow. And I realize that even going through all of these sounds like a lot, and I'm sure it feels like a lot. Where do you start? How do you know if you have any of these risk factors? Well, I have good news. If you're already charting with Creighton, which I know many of our listeners are, then you already have a way to be proactive in identifying some of these issues. Charting with Creighton allows you to spot possible issues in hormonal strength and balance, cervical infection, thyroid disease, diabetes, or insulin resistance, and signs of uterine fibroids. That's a lot. And so just by using Creighton and working with a NAPRO doctor, you have ways to identify and treat these issues. And that's really something. That's a great place to start. 
But notice I said crate and charting and working with a trusted NAPRO doctor. Working with someone you trust in the medical field can be a true game changer to your experience trying to conceive and during pregnancy. They're going to prioritize optimizing your health before you start trying to conceive. They're going to partner with you in your journey to conceive and provide immediate support at your first positive pregnancy test instead of waiting to eight to nine weeks for an ultrasound. And that means a lot when you're concerned about possible miscarriage. You could even talk with them about doing some additional preventative measures if you think you're especially at risk for any of the common categories. So you may choose to have an ultrasound of your pelvic organs to look for abnormalities or fibroids or things like that. You may ask to have a hormone panel done to ensure proper levels, including looking at the full thyroid panel. You may ask to test for blood clotting disorders. If you have a family history or you yourself have experienced thyroid problems, blood clotting disorders, an autoimmune disease, early heart attacks, stroke, then you may be interested in having some of these testing done beforehand. But hear me, I'm not trying to say you need to have all these things done before you try to ever have a baby. Most don't need to have any of these things done before trying to conceive. But it's up to you. You have the choice. And you may decide that you would feel more at ease having some of these things tested before you ever try to conceive. That's okay. You have that choice. On the other hand, you may decide that all sounds way too overwhelming and you would rather try and see what happens and that's okay too. Now, if you've had a miscarriage and you're searching for what caused it as you prepare to conceive again, you can also request some things to be done. You can ask for an ultrasound of pelvic organs to look for abnormalities or fibroids. You can have hormone panels done to ensure proper levels, including that full thyroid panel. You can test for blood clotting disorders. You can test for infections like Epstein-Barr, STIs, etc. You can test for immunological issues through a reproductive immunologist. You can test for thyroid issues during that next pregnancy. And note, many insurance companies are not going to cover these tests until you've had three or more miscarriages, which is, of course, outrageous. But you can still ask for what the price would be, and you can talk with your NAPRO doctor about which would be the most worth it to start out with. And it may not actually be that expensive, especially if there's a cash pay, self-pay option. But you have these options, and I want you to be educated about how you can advocate for yourself and your future pregnancies. I get it that the journey is hard, and it is scary, and so much of it can feel totally outside of our control. If you're listening to this because you've recently had a miscarriage or because you've had one in the past and are returning to try to conceive, I want you to know that you are not alone. I say that so much on this podcast because everybody needs to know it. And we hate so much that this happens to be a part of your story because nobody chooses it and nobody wants this path. But no matter if your loss was right after you got a positive or well into your first or second trimester, your loss matters. And your child was made in the image of God. 
the time anticipating the loss or walking through it physically and then afterward as you grieve it can be some very dark times for couples. And I think it's made worse by the fact that it can feel so incredibly lonely, which is why I want to be so intentional about saying that you are not actually alone. You are seen, your tears are counted, your grief is God's grief. And I'm really, I'm not offering just like generalized positivity or cheap words of encouragement here because it is devastating. It is raw and it is unfathomable. And even if we find out exactly why it happened medically, it never seems to explain why it happened spiritually. Why does God allow such deep suffering that something as beautiful and innocent and hopeful as a budding life would not be left untouched? And I don't know. I just know that God doesn't abandon you during the suffering. That Jesus himself suffered loss and experienced true grief. He felt physical pain. He watched blood flow from his body. He felt the loss of beauty and hope and innocence. God knows more than I do, and I have not been given the reasons why. But man, if it is not encouraging to me that God doesn't leave us alone to face the suffering. And that also means that we can walk with God honestly and vulnerably. We don't have to have it all together or keep it to ourselves. You know, mourning a miscarriage doesn't look like one particular thing. Some choose not to think about it, an early loss, for instance, as a pregnancy. Some find out gender if they can, and they name each baby and others don't. Some choose to bury whatever remains they have and others do not. How you react, how you grieve, what you think, how you move forward, it's all unique to each person. So don't compare yourself to others. Don't worry about what's quote unquote right, you know, what's the right thing to do. Just consistently go to God and walk honestly with God. You decide who to tell also. If you, you know, have already announced, then that could look different and you may feel pressured, but you always get to decide what you share and how much you share. My recommendation is to find one safe person. Find support through your church or counseling or someone who you really can trust and be totally honest with. And as you do that, choose to turn to one another, meaning your spouse, as you grieve. And your grief may look different. That's okay. Allow each other to grieve alongside one another. Give each other that space to express it in whatever way feels right. Next week, we're going to continue to talk about this topic, but focus in on the practical aspects of what to expect during and after a miscarriage and what choices you have during that process. Again, this is not something that we often talk about and few prepare to have a pregnancy, so it can feel like a whirlwind when the time actually comes. We're hoping that this episode and the next will help prevent that and we'll have a guest to help us do that. So thanks for sticking around today. 
And as always, thanks for listening as we continue to explore together what it means to be woven well.